listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Those are the seven words you cannot say on television. But this is a podcast and we can say whatever the fuck we want. Especially since we're talking about George Carlin... Jesus, how do you even describe this man? If there were a Mount Rushmore of comedy, George Carlin is undoubtedly one of the faces carved onto that mountain. Probably right next to Richard Pryor. And I think after that, you can probably debate everybody else. But those two guys, definitely. This new documentary from HBO, George Carlin's American Dream, is brought to you by Judd Apatow and Michael Bonfiglio. It is a two-parter. This is a four-hour deep dive into the life and career of one of the greatest comedians to ever set foot on a stage. One of the most important, but also just a genuinely interesting human being. And to join me to talk about this fantastic new documentary, I'm joined by Melina. How the fuck are y'all doing? Elliot. Hey, hey. And Jenna, the eighth filthy word. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm the asshole. Um, <laughs> yes, hi ho there, neighbors. hi ho there. <laughs> well, as I said before, uh, this is a two-part documentary. It is already out now on HBO. It goes in really in-depth onto the life and career of Carlin. There are no shortages of tributes, specials, documentaries, reports, articles, etc. that have been written about Carlin, who passed away in 2008. I I still can't believe he's gone, because it doesn't seem like time has passed very long, and he still feels fresh and relevant today. I think right now, more than ever, There's plenty of material about Carlin out there if you want to find it, but this has to be an unprecedented level of access thanks to the contributions of uh, his immediate family members. Yeah, I think that uh, you would be hard-pressed to find something that actually dives any deeper than the American Dream ultimately does. And when I found out that this was, in fact, a two-parter running about collectively four hours, I actually, I was a little worried because it was Judd Apatow, like specifically because it it was Judd Apatow. He has a habit for me, especially when it comes to his feature films, of at one point kind of overstaying his welcome where you feel like this is becoming indulgent, this is becoming bloated. And honestly, I think I actually could have watched, I could have watched like a new, an entirely third episode of this. I'm sure there's enough material out there and... I think that this is actually perfectly, I think this is perfect in its runtime, but a four hour documentary that leaves you wanting more, I think that that is one of the biggest compliments I could give something like this. I really like this too. I'm actually a little bit on the opposite side. I thought this was maybe a little bit overlong, but not by much. 
everyone is on board for this. His um, his ex-wife, the one who's not dead, uh, his daughter, you know, every comedian, every relevant comedian today is pretty much here. Um, I mean, Bette Midler, Stephen Colbert, Jon Stewart, Patton Oswalt, uh, uh, Bill Burr, the list goes on. Um, uh, Margaret, you were talking about the, the, the comedy Mount Rushmore being at least Carlin and Pryor and anybody who comes after them is going to be influenced by those people. Any any other comedians you would put on that mountain are influenced by Carlin and Pryor. Um, and, and this documentary really does do a great job of showing that. And um, while at times it was the George Carlin clip show and, and maybe not so focused as I wanted it to be, I, it really did come together, uh, I think, in the second episode, actually, where they're really... Uh, where Carlin's comedy really did evolve and he really did start speaking his mind. Yeah, I think that's one of the big themes of the documentary itself is that here is a guy who starts off in the late 50s, early 60s. He kind of looks like a square. He's got the suit and tie, the requisite outfit for every entertainer on the planet. He has to work within certain limitations. And, you know, he's subversive enough and yet, at some point, he starts identifying with the counterculture, drops acid, and starts going, Jesus Christ, I don't like this guy that I play on TV. I gotta be myself. And that would be interesting in and of itself, but as the documentary proves, there are multiple times in his life that he stopped, reevaluated uh, his career and his choices, and just evolved as a comedian. Absolutely. I mean, I, I obsessed over this guy since I was like, I don't know, 15 years old, 14, 13, 12, 11. <laughs> and, and I knew of George Carlin, actually, when he was, you know, doing kind of like the, um, when he was doing the, you know, the cleaner comedy, the comedy that my parents grew up on. And that's how I knew him. So when I started seeing his work, in the late 80s, early 90s, I was like, who is this person? So I was just as surprised as everyone else to see that transformation happen. And this documentary for me, just a fellow just creative, it was really truly inspiring um, because it just showed that he went through all these iterations and really kept up throughout each decade, throughout each era. And that is not easy to do as an artist. And the fact that he was such a great writer as well is a testament to just to him being more than just a comedian. He was a philosopher, social commentator, activist. Um, a lot of people don't a lot of people don't like assign those titles to him, but I appreciate that um, this documentary explored that as well as a father because people forget that he was also a father. Mm -hmm. um, and to kind of see his personal life but it not get too personal. I feel like this documentary was a good balance of just going deep enough to where we have a better holistic view of who George Carlin was, but we also can give him the privacy he deserved. Uh, but it was also, I actually wanted to hear more from his daughter um, and just being raised the way she was raised, uh, the fact they were always on the road and how poor they were when they first started out. Hearing their family dynamics was really disheartening, um, but it also added a human element and just kind of really humanized him because, you know, me growing up as a fellow comedian and doing stand-up and improv theater and all that, I look at him as someone who dedicated his life to his craft. Um, he definitely lived a career that I wish I could live. Like I wish I could just 
stay on the road all the time and perform. Um, definitely jealous of that. But to see the other side and the toll that it took on his family and how he um, he went to great lengths to try to redeem that, it really just humanized him in a way that you just don't often see in this day and age, honestly, with a lot of folks. Um, especially because now the way we humanize is by taking a stance in a political spectrum. But here you just really saw him you know, as a, as a man struggling to be a good husband, um, to be a good father, and the internal battles that he had, that I think that's where I, as an adult, that's where my love for George Carlin lies, because I literally deal with the same internal battles. Um, I just don't use cocaine. <laughs> once or twice, once or twice, you know what I mean? But I'm not a regular cocaine user like that. Like, well, yeah, you know, every, we all like to party every know, once in a while. Bathroom, you know. Even George Carlin says at one point, you know, it's like, I really wasn't liking where I was. I hated the suit and tie persona. And then, you know what? I dropped acid and everything made sense. So I don't think you're, I don't think that you would get any judgment from him. <laughs> but to your point, one of my favorite things about this was that sense of evolution, not just with his family life. I love that they went into that as much as they did his relationship with his first and second wife, his daughter, who uh, does get a lot of screen time here, but also the various rises and falls that his career had over the many decades that he was on stage. And he had a 40 year career. So there's a lot of room for that to happen. And you see, as you said, early in his career, he was getting successful, but he wasn't very happy with the kind of material he was doing. And then he changed his image, even though it took a huge pay cut and put his family in jeopardy. But his wife, as we see, who's really one of the, the heroes of the show, uh, is all in. She's like, yes, let's do it. And what happens, of course, is he does become in the 70s this counterculture icon he becomes rich he becomes famous he's got a private jet and he can suddenly afford cocaine and he no longer needs to keep his wife on the payroll she can be at home and be a stay-at-home mother while he's out on the road constantly but that ends up causing friction and they both end up with substance abuse problems and difficulties with their daughter on account of that. Oh, that was so sad. But then again, he starts realizing, hey, my material's not good anymore. I'm already a laughing stock. Nobody's watching me anymore. All the new guys coming up are looking down on me. Bill Burr said when he was a young man, you know, he and his buddies were going to go, not necessarily to heckle him, but it was like, yeah. yeah, let's go see the old guy. We know he's washed up. But then suddenly George Carlin comes back and the guy they were making fun of before the show started, that guy's not there. This is a brand new Carlin who is reinvigorated and angrier and sharper than ever before. And he does that three or four times over the course of a 40-year career. He always speaks of it as a de-evolution, which I think doesn't get spoken about a lot in spaces, creative spaces, especially when it, you combine, you know, everyone overuses this term, but capitalism is real. But when you're combining capitalism and art, oftentimes the grace and the courage it takes to really allow yourself to be who you are in your art form. I forgot, I think maybe it was Bill Burr or maybe Pat, no, it was Patton Oswalt who was saying, you know, that's the goal is to be who you are off stage, who you are, you know, when you yeah. get on stage. And so it was interesting. Everyone was like, who is this new guy? And I'm like, no, this is just what George Carlin always wanted to say, but, you know, didn't feel like he could risk his family's welfare and say these things because he already went through that with, you know, the FCC and the historical event of getting words banned 
Which I find hilarious now that most of these comedians act like babies. Yeah. When they talk about cancel culture and today, but you have multiple outlets where you can state your opinion and say any bad word you want. The words that are allowed on TV were not allowed when George Carlin was doing comedy. So I just find it ironic that like, I feel like a lot of these comedians are kind of whiny because it was like, you really don't know what actual censorship looks like. Yeah. You just say things and then don't want to be held accountable for the reckless shit that you'd be saying. And people don't want to hear it. So I grew up on stand-up comedy. Um, unfortunately, a lot of that was uh, Comedy Central stand-up comedy, which in the mid-2000s was a lot of like racial humor. And there was no conversation about that being kind of problematic. And it took until the end of high school when I discovered somebody like George Carlin and um, like Bill Hicks, who I think is a really almost an heir to George Carlin, um, that I realized that comedy could actually be something more and actually make you think, which I think this documentary kind of pulls back from the the idea that, that comedians can be saints or uh, leaders. Not that you can't listen to them and have big takeaways, but I think Carlin himself was really as much of a sort of thinking comedian as he was. He didn't want to be to be a leader. I mean, he says over and over again how much he dislikes organized groups of people, even in small groups, which I would actually kind of disagree with him on, but um, that was definitely a big part of his philosophy. George Carlin did have to stand up for his comedy, and sometimes he got into trouble in the law. But of course, that's nothing compared to, say, someone like Lenny Bruce, uh, another person who is probably uh, shortlisted for inclusion on the Mount Rushmore of comedy. I've always thought of Carlin as the spiritual heir to Lenny Bruce. The difference is Lenny Bruce... I've never found particularly funny, especially towards the end of his career when he's getting really angry and he's ranting and raving on the stage. To be fair, Lenny Bruce was canceled. There was a reason he was pissed. At some point during his set, he's not even joking anymore. He's just lecturing people about his problems with, you know, with lawsuits and things and how he keeps getting fired from every gig. Carlin has the same anger, but he also has this sharp mind that allows him to craft that into comedy in a way that just always tends to work, that hasn't aged the way some of Lenny Bruce's more topical humor has, because all comedy is topical at some point and is subject to age. But for some reason, Carlin feels timeless, and I think it's a testament to his abilities that I have seen people on different sides of the political spectrum share his his act. They share clips of it. And to me, this is an interesting idea. Uh, if you listen to George Carlin for five minutes, you're going to realize this guy is not in any way a conservative. But I do think people tend to assume that, oh, well, George Carlin would agree with me on everything. Fuck no. The guy was way too irascible, way too hard to pin down. And multiple people in this show say, man, I wish he were alive today so we could hear what he has to say about the things going on now. But I don't know if we necessarily want to hear what George Carlin has to say about things today, because he didn't care if you agreed with him all the time. He was going to say exactly what was on his mind. Yeah. And that was the thing. So much of he had such an influence on the way that people would look at something like the federal government, the left you know, the left faction and the right faction. He would challenge both sides of that. And 
but he also would attack he would attack things like discrimination you know income inequality classism corporate greed but he would go after many he would go after things that people on the left are kind of very precious about and to hear and so i liked at the beginning of this you see a lot they do this huge montage of ha- like you know various uh people hashtagging george carlin saying this is what george carlin would have said about this now and george carlin he was for this not this there's one in particular where it says what we need right now is carlinism and i'm like if you're saying that then you clearly have no idea what this guy was ultimately about because he was not for isms he wasn't for ists or of any kind he was about critical thinking that was ultimately his goal that was his biggest criticism of not just the government like the united states government but the people in it he always said i want people to think critically that's my disappointment with the people around me and that's what i'm getting on stage to do not to make them listen to me not to make them agree with me but so that they can see i think as he phrases it i want them to see that i'm doing it i always said that like george carlin <laughs> i'm not in the business of changing people's mind um that's not my job and i feel like george carlin his understanding of language which is another point that I feel like had I met him, I probably would have been his best friend because uh, I have an affinity for language and context as well. English major here. Language is key. And although he didn't have a college degree or college education, he understood language and context enough to be able to understand how systems work within this country and political theory. Things that in today's anti-intellectualism, we kind of subscribe that to folks who have an education. But he didn't have that. So the appeal that he was able to take large concepts and then break them down into digestible concepts without telling you what to think. He was just pointing out the contradictions. He was pointing out the hypocrisies. So regardless of where you stand, he really just wanted folks to understand that we are all affected by these systems, right? We're all affected by racism, um, poverty. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that you thinking that your way of thinking is the right way, right? That's why I love that um, move your shit so I can put my stuff here. Genius. Yes. Again, like <laughs> like they said, they were like, um, it could be surface level. You can take it as a surface level. But he understood satire and comedy and context enough to where it's layered. And it really talked about how a lot of people come from that perspective of like, your shit is shit and my stuff is stuff. And I think... That is what we're truly missing in this landscape of comedy and a lot of artists because they now are participating in the binary. They're participating in promoting specific ideologies when really, again, critical thinking is really just you dismantling and taking apart concepts and looking at them from different angles other than your own. But also being willing to learn and change. Yeah, exactly. You know, Jenna, you really stated that well. Why don't you start leading into your final thoughts? I mean, my final thoughts personally is that I really do appreciate this documentary. I think it is relevant. I think that George Carlin and his social commentary and philosophical views are going to be relevant because he understood, like I said, how to take large political theory and these concepts in everyday life and interactions 
and break them down to almost universal truths or in ways where even the common man, right, the common man can understand them and take part in the comedy and laugh. Uh, I also appreciate the fact that they did not paint him out to be a saint. Um, he had a lot of issues to where, you know, um, God bless Brenda, but she, oh my goodness, hearing her story, it brought me to tears. I cried multiple times watching this because I understand what it's like to be left alone, which was ironic because he didn't want his daughter to be left alone because he was a latchkey kid. He had no issue leaving her alone. And as somebody who's been in those type of relationships where your partner is not present, it really hit home for me. But the fact that her story, her redemption arc and how she showed up for her family was beyond inspiring yes. and their love story was beyond inspiring and it's a testament to marriage honestly like you would think you would not take that away from this documentary but it really taught me what marriage really looks like and how you really have to put your best foot forward with the people that you spend the rest of your life with and how you can grow and change and become better people so i really think that this is a great documentary for folks who Want to know more about George Carlin if you're an avid fan like myself or another comedian or creative who's been inspired by George Carlin, you'll really enjoy this. Um, again, I agree with Melina. I could watch another hour and 31 <laughs> minutes and I'm pretty sure they have enough footage. Um, but I'm really glad they made this. And I think it is timely because George Carlin would have a lot to say about today's uh, current climate, which I wish he could. Because like I said, these comedians these days, they really don't know what real censorship is really looks like. Um, so my rating would be 9 out of 10 times. I wish I could have did blow with him, man. <laughs> like, I ain't going to cap, man. I really wish I could just sit up here because we're both weird. And I really wish I could have just did blow and run my <laughs> You ever wonder why you call it blow? I mean, you don't actually blow it out. You inhale it. <laughs> uh, that's a terrible George Carlin impersonation. Elliot, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, I really like this too. This is pretty much the ultimate documentary on George Carlin. Uh, I don't think there's any need to really even make anything more about this man. This is, you know, watch his stand-up, watch this movie, and, and that's George Carlin. There are, you know, they've really dug through the archives. I mean, there's so, so many clips of him. Um, and... But, you know, the way it's uh, stacked, the way it's paced, you really do see the the evolution or maybe more accurately the devolution of this guy to who he really is. And, um, yes, it's just great. I agree. The The family story is probably – it's definitely the most surprising to me. I didn't know anything about that. It's it's done exceptionally well with interviews with his wife, uh, his, his first wife, uh, and his daughter – we were talking about him sort of reinventing himself in the 60s as, as kind of a hippie guy, or at least, you know, sort of aligned with that strain of thought, and then kind of collapsing in the 70s, which is sort of the um, stereotypical sort of thing to say about the 60s. Moving into the 70s is that sort of like death of flower power in a pile of cocaine. But, you know, uh, a lot of people really, you know, a lot of people really did burn out. Lenny Bruce burned out in the 60s. There was a lot of people that burned out in the 70s. A lot of the comedians that are talked about in this documentary that he influenced also died sam kennison uh bill hicks but yeah i mean yeah i really really enjoyed this and if you're a george carlin fan you absolutely have to watch this i'm gonna give this nine out of ten places i could i wish i could put my stuff <laughs> melita um wow i mean i i went into this a massive george carlin fan i could not I, like the second i heard they were they were even making it i was so excited and i have been following it with rapt interest ever since 
there is actually, I can't remember who it is. There's a comedian, uh, about halfway through the second part that talks about how he grew up in a generation of people who actually knew George Carlin, not as this, you know, very acerbic and already extremely established comedian, but as a guy who showed up on a children's show and showed up in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. This guy, like, showed up in Dogma and all of these those, these movies from the, the 90s. And that was my experience with him. That was how I got to know him. He was someone who... I was aware of as, oh yeah, he's that guy who pops up every once in a while. And then I realized, as a lot of people do, when I got into college and really started getting into stand-up, who he was and who he'd been for so long. And what a discovery. Because once you discover George Carlin, there really is no going back. And I think that this documentary so beautifully and so thoroughly explores why that is, why this guy is so, even today, why he's so relevant, why his words are so timeless, and why he is the giant of comedy that he is. Every single talking head that comes into this is more or less a legend in and of themselves, and all of them really chalk that up to him. And wow, I couldn't imagine a better tribute for someone who so deserves one. It's, it's beautiful, it's at times tragic, sometimes it's heartwarming, and sometimes it just leaves you in despair when you see the way that he looked at things and the various stages he went through personally and professionally. I actually really have nothing, I have nothing really bad to say about this. I've seen it twice, I, I liked it even better the second time, and I think that if you're not a George Carlin fan, watch this, you will be. So I am going to give this seven out of seven uh, words you cannot say on television. <laughs> I'm with Elliot here. I don't, I don't think they need to make another documentary on George Carlin ever again. This is about as definitive as you're ever going to get. Getting the real family members uh, to come in and talk about it, the access to documents, to personal letters between him and his first wife, the archival footage, the home movies, uh, some harrowing home audio of when he's ostensibly working out material but really, he's just locked in a room high on coke and just screaming and yelling uh, for days at a time. Yeah, he definitely had his ups and downs. And that marriage, that relationship with his daughter are kind of the emotional backbone of this. Uh, you realize just how private a man Carlin really was. Because for most of us who only knew him as the guy on the stage, we never really knew all this other stuff about him. Uh, at least I didn't. I don't think it's common knowledge because George Carlin is one of those celebrities who's so interesting. You don't need to give a shit about their private life. Uh, the work speaks for itself. And yet, how interesting to find out and how not surprising that he was a complicated guy uh, with many layers and many flaws, but still, at the end of the day, everybody seems to just love the guy because he did the work, both on himself and on his material. Who knows what he would say if he were alive today. Like I always say, you should never meet your heroes because you don't know what to expect. Ten years ago, would anybody think they'd be pissed off at Joss Whedon or J.K. Rowling? Did anybody ever see Bill Cosby being canceled or Louis C.K.? I watched this in fear, kind of thinking, please don't ruin George Carlin for me. Please don't tell me he was a terrible human being uh, behind the scenes and in his private life. And he kind of was, but not in the toxic, horrible way you would expect. It was the 
typical, hey, I got rich and famous and I have a drug problem and my wife is an alcoholic and we're tearing our family apart and yet they manage to make it work. They get their shit together. It takes years, but they finally sit down, do the work and say, we can't live like this anymore. And the surprising thing is he got better at his job. Halfway through, he became even more relevant at a time when most people would have already written him off as an oldies act. Kudos to anybody who can pull that off. 40 years later, everybody's still talking about how this guy was revolutionary. I think this is as good a documentary as you'll ever get about the life and times of George Carlin. My only issue with it is towards the very end, there's a montage featuring clips of some of his routines and, well, Judd Apatow's uh, political leanings are a matter of public record and very well known. And as any filmmaker would, he includes a montage of current events, current politicians playing under these clips of Carlin's routines. And again, it's really tempting to just extrapolate from all those times you agreed with Carlin, thinking, well, of course he agrees with me on every issue. But no matter what you think, I'll bet you George Carlin would tell you, hey, don't get too fucking smug because I didn't like the guy you voted for either. I'm going to give this nine and a half out of ten times. I could say whatever the fuck I wanted because guys like George Carlin and the people who came before him pave the way for the rest of us. It's a better world thanks to them, and it's a worse world without him. I'll miss that son of a bitch. I suppose we should end with a joke here. 